I was gonna I was gonna pry you a little bit on the the Canyon yeah. stuff, anyways. But are are you telling me you guys are gonna be like scanning butts or like <laughs> forearms? It's like, it's what like are we sitting s- on the photocopier back in the day? <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Coaches on Couches. Being slouches. Today, we're, we actually, this is a really cool, um, a little bit different um, episode today, um, but it's something that I've wanted to do for a long time. I've, mm-hmm. I've told people that my second favorite sport is business, so um, I'm, I'm actually really excited to, to have Rasmus Barfred on today, the uh, co-founder of Magic 5 Goggles. So it's going to be a really cool episode. But first, I'm Coach Dale Sanford. And I am Coach Bryant Funston. We are the co-founders of BPC Performance Coaching, where we specialize in helping time-crunched athletes optimize their busy schedules so they can maximize their athletic performance. You can find out more about BPC by going to buildpeakcompete.com checking Facebook and YouTube at build peak compete and, or all up on that Instagram at BPC performance. Boom. Whew. It's been a minute Funston. And yeah, I can still read. It. I can still read. So that's it. good. All right. <laughs> so, um, Rasmus. Yes. You, you have created, um, I would say one of the more well-known brands in, well, at least in the triathlon community for sure. And I'm, I'm sure in swimming, I'm not quite as much into just swimming, but, um, you guys have created a really, really cool brand before we get too much into the business though, there has to be some sort of a connection there. I'm assuming with swimming and triathlon. So tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got into endurance sports or triathlon or whatever. And let's just put the connection together here first. God, that's, um, well, me and endurance sports started when I was 17, 18. Um, I played soccer. That's like what you have to do in Denmark uh, when you grow up. Uh, so I did that. <laughs> and then I remember it was my, it was actually my cousin who uh, he's five years older. So it's like 23, I was 18. My cool big cousin, he came and challenged me to do a bike race in France called uh, La Mamotte. Um, you go up uh, called the Grandon, Telegraf, Galibier, and LBS in one day. Um, and he was like, hey, don't, don't, don't you want to do this in two months? And I'd never been on a, on a race bike. So we both went out, bought an old aluminum Bianchi red bike bike. And then we jumped in a car, drove to France, and like <laughs> suffered for seven, eight, nine. I can't even remember how long time it took, but it was a brutal day. But I was like, I was just instantly hooked on the yeah, Just I, went for it. Exactly. And I really, really lost it. It was like, I think it was a combination of, like I came from soccer, team sport. I also love that. But doing something that was about yourself and something where you got experiences and being out in nature and really like, um, it was not in a closed off field with a lot of other dudes. It was just like, you, the machine, being out there, fighting and, and getting this experience. And I was, it was just like instant love. Um, 
So that's how I started getting into endurance sport. Then the next year, basically the same thing happened. Then it was, this time it was my aunt. She uh, she just had uh, my cousin and she had signed up for an Ironman, first Ironman in Copenhagen. It was uh, it was actually a challenge back then. Uh, and she came like three months. She came in May or June, I would say, and challenged me to do an Ironman in August. Um, and I was like, okay, I've done my mud. Sure, I can do that. So I started swimming. And then three months later, I did my, my first Ironman in uh, in Copenhagen. Uh, oh, first challenge, but it was the, the, the full distance. Um, and and then I think the combination of, I was a, I'd never ran a marathon, but I'd done a lot of running from, from soccer. Um, I was lucky that swimming came pretty easy to me. Um, and then the cycling, I already liked that. Um, and then it was just like, okay, triathlon, I have like three different things I can geek out about. Uh, I like the endurance part of it. I was, I had a good start. It was a first, good first Ironman. It was a fun experience. Um, and that's how it started. Um, so that was my intro to endurance sport. Um, so that, the, you, uh, there's, there, there was no like intermediate there. You went big <laughs> from the gun. I mean, there. it sounds like all you have to do is challenge Rasmus and he's, uh, he's all over it. Uh, yeah. I th- it was it was um like doing that that race in France. It, it's it's a it's one of the uh, it's a big amateur race, but it's up all the iconic climbs. Yeah. It's it's in one day. It's tons of climbing. It's 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 a pretty long race as well. Um, and I think the and it also characterized me today when I'm riding or doing something else. It's it's really when you get out on like the fifth hour, sixth hour, seventh hour where it's it's more about the mental game and the tenacity mm-hmm. that's really where i where i'm best i would say and i think i i learned that from those experiences i never really got that from soccer there was like 90 minute game and it was like up down the field uh, it's a team sport and i just um, yeah got got hooked yeah. Yeah, that's awesome so what was harder the uh the event in france or the the full ironman yeah, I would say the Ironman was definitely the hardest. I, my first approach to, I've done Lama Mud, that bike race, uh, a few times, quite a few times afterwards. The first time was, um, so that old Bianchi racer had, um, had like, a, um, uh, um, it was, uh, it was actually a mountain bike gearing on it. I don't know what the pre, I, I bought it again, <laughs> right? So, uh, the, the lowest gear that was like, um, I think it was, must have been like 30 something uh, on the front. It was like a mountain bike chain like and a yeah, triple. Yeah. But it was like, it was actually really, really good for being a first. Oh, for sure. Or for a climbing race, right? And then the year after when I got in to do the first Ironman, I was a little, um, uh, I already locked like uh, a t- target for my time and for the particular for the cycling and the running part. Uh, even though I hadn't done a marathon, I was pretty confident on the run so i think i pushed myself a bit more on that uh, gotcha went a little deeper huh yeah exactly <laughs> uh, and we we won lucky that there was, uh, a lot of uh, sewage spillover uh in in and around the water and the swim so basically oh, everyone who did that ironman uh they didn't feel super good at the end oh, of the geez. run <laughs> so there was like another culinary experience <laughs> that i got to. so um but uh, yeah, I'd say the Ironman was was definitely hard. Gotcha. Was. 
So then after, you know, we, uh, we hear about the Ironman hangover quite a bit. So after you did that one, did you want more or were you, you satisfied with, uh, your Ironman career? Yeah, I, I definitely wanted more. I, I think, uh, the whole, like, I definitely wanted more, but there's three, three big things that happened to me in my life at that point in time. It was, uh, uh falling in love with triathlon. Then I started university and I started my first business. So three really con- time consuming things happening all at once. And I, I had a lot of my, on my plate. Um, so I think the, the, the training part, it was for a couple of years, I was much more focused on the process of training and getting out and getting that mental, uh, stimulated tool training. Uh, rather than actually competing a whole lot, I did a few races, but I was much more focused on becoming a better swimmer, becoming a better cyclist, and becoming a better uh, um, runner, basically. Um, so I think it was um, um, I was hooked, but I had to to balance everything out, and I knew if I set a target of doing it on IM and the year after. It would be too much. I, I would be too competitive. I had a, I would have too much of a target of time, uh, mm-hmm. university and starting a business at the same time. It would be, it would be too much. So I had to, I really had to prioritize how deep I could go. So it took quite a few years before I did another Ironman, but I did some smaller races and yeah, in between. So what was that? What was that first business that you started? That, so that was a completely. It was actually together with Bo, one of my co-founders in the Magic Five. And it was a completely different business. It was a software uh, business, uh, an online auction. Uh, okay. Very specified things in the utility industry that I don't want to bore you about. But uh, <laughs> long, long story short was that it was it was actually a pretty successful business. We had a few. I I both had the idea. Uh, actually, that was also how it was with the swimming goggles. And both got the idea. Um, he approached me and said, "Hey, don't you want to run with this and try to build the business?" And and I said yes. Um, had a few employees in Copenhagen, small office, but the market was only Denmark, and we were waiting for Europe, the European uh, Union, to to open up the market to all of Europe. Then it would have been a fun business to to operate, but that never happened. The policies never got in place, and then we we actually decided to scale it down. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. Those, the potential was not big enough. So how long was it from that point to when you guys started uh, the new business? So this was, I was 18, 19 when I had the first business, did that for some years. Then when we scaled it down, I went out and got a normal, boring corporate job working with mergers and acquisitions, uh, doing a lot of uh, uh, Excel gymnastics and, and fancy PowerPoints. Uh, then I got, uh, but then luckily Bo, he called me after four or five years of doing that and complained about his swimming goggles and pitched the idea that we should develop some technology so we could scan people's faces and we could make a custom product. And I was pretty quick to jump on that boat. Let me just put it that way. Uh, I still trained, I still swam. I hated my goggles. I did my last Ironman with a pair of sweets uh, because, and this is the story of how the Magic 5 came about actually. Mm-hmm. And I did my last Ironman in, in Swedish goggles because the best swimmer that I knew was Niklas, our third co-founder of the Magic Five. He was a pro swimmer in Denmark. I was lucky to swim on his team where 
Uh, Rasmus Henning also swam uh, a good Danish triathlete, uh, really one of the best we've had. Um, and they all use Swedish goggles. So that that's what I used. So uh, so Bo called me, complained about his goggles and pitched the idea. We called Nicholas. I was like, hey, what do you think about this as a pro swimmer? And he was all in it. And then we started the Magic Bike. Um, so, uh, yeah. So when you guys decided to start, did you have any idea, did anyone have any experience with the scanning, the apps, the anything? No, no. like zero. So ground, ground zero on the whole thing. We started, we, and I'm not uh, BSing you guys, we started on a whiteboard drawing. We had no idea what we were like. We no idea what we were doing in either of the things, but this was in, no, that's not right. We had an idea of what was possible and where the technology was, but we didn't come from a background of doing uh, facial scanning technologies, fitting technologies. So, and quite frankly, in 2016, when we had the idea, that was when the idea came up the first time. You were not on an iPhone 14 with an in-depth camera. The hardware space was completely different. It was yeah. like iPhone 6, 7, or no, iPhone 5, right? So the technologies that we had to make had to reflect the hardware at the time. Then that has developed over time. So the scanning technology that we developed in 16, early 17 was different than what it was today, right? Um, but we basically, and this is Bo, who is, who is the, the mastermind behind that, um, uh, he basically developed the scanning technology from from scratch oh, wow. uh, and developed our fitting technology. It's really our fitting technology, which is which we see as the core scanning is just quote unquote the easy part. It's just getting the data. The tricky thing is what do you do with the data once you have it? Right? It's not like you scan a face and we build a three D model and whoops, we can make a custom pair of goggles. It's all the process in between from the scan to actually getting a custom product, all the things that happens in between. That's, that's really the, the tricky thing. Um, yeah. So what was the time frame from, from concept when he comes to you and says, Hey, are you on board to yeah. producing your first pair of goggles? So we, uh, we late 16, he called me the first time in early 17. We had full-time jobs. I was working with the M&A and, and he was a top executive in a big IT startup. Uh, he had like a few hundred, 500 people in his uh, business divisions. Um, um, in early 17, we were able to scan a face. We ran around to the pro swimmers on Nicholas's team and tried to scan their faces. And I was like, do we get the data out the way we want? And yeah. then what the data? Does our fitting technology then position the goggles the right way on someone's face? And of course it didn't. It made like <laughs> first time, right? So, but but that was like the first like uh, minimal viable product that gave us the okay, this is actually possible. We don't we don't have a whole lot of experience. We don't have a lot of scans. We don't have a lot of data yet. But once we get that, we were super confident that we could make an outstanding product. Um, so that I would say that, and and I, if I can't remember the exact timeline, but I remember this being 
early to mid 17 that we we got to that inflection point. Uh, so like well well less than a year then. Yes, for for the prototype, right? Then the next thing that happened was we we uh, we refined the concept over a couple of months. Then we launched the Kickstarter campaign, got the first uh, 1,500 customers through Kickstarter. Um, and then we moved to, then we con con convinced our wives to move to the US to build the business that we have. So that was like, that was what 17 was about. Uh, yeah. So what so, made, um, well, you got, so you got the initial funding through Kickstarter. Yeah. Well, I guess, did you get, did you have any other funding to get through the kind of early prototypes? You guys just kind of threw your own money at it? Threw our own money at it. So we, we have, uh, we've never had a venture capital, uh, big money approach to the business. Uh, we wanted to, uh, uh, keep a lean and mean production machine on how we, we make the goggles. For sure. So and Nicholas um, and a few other guys for the first uh, couple of years uh, working with uh, paid media, uh, marketing, then making goggles, then doing customer service, like doing the, the full spectrum ourselves. Um, and it was, it was important for us from the get-go that we could make a product that was, I know it's not cheap compared to a suite, but it's a relatively uh, it's a relatively cheap custom product, right? It was important for us that we could we could do that and have good unit economics, make make money on the products that we saw. So it was like a healthy business, if that makes sense. Um, sure. Yeah. So um, so that that that's how it was for the many first many years, first couple of years. So I mean, I'm I'm backpedaling a little bit here, but when you guys were like designing the first uh, prototypes and stuff like that, what were like the main problems with goggles that you were finding that you were trying to fix? I mean, I could list off a million things about goggles that I dislike, <laughs> but uh, yeah. not your goggles, <laughs> but other goggles. What what were the main things that you were trying to to fix there? I think we. Um... It was interesting. It was me and it was Bo who came up with that. Like he's he's really like an inventor and a super um, uh, uh, brilliant guys. Like thinking a lot, of, really creatively around around products. And but I think what tricked him was he. So he went on a training camp on Lanzarote for a couple of weeks and he forgot his goggles. Right. And I think he had been through the same process as most other swimmers, which is you go through maybe three to five goggles and you stick with the pair that's the least worst, right? Yeah. And, and then that becomes your pair, right? Sounds like bike saddles. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> like bike saddles. Yeah. Shoes, uh, running shoes. But then uh, then he, he forgot his goggles and that's a roadie and, and, and went out and and had to buy the goggles that they had installed. And, and they were just really, really not working for him. Uh, so he got super frustrated in that training camp because it messed up most of his swim practice. And then he called me as soon as he got home. It's like, mm. about this for two weeks. Why don't we do it? And I think he was really tricked by the triathlete. There's so many, so much gear you can buy. You have an expensive bike. You have like all sorts of things. And then you go out and buy a $5 Swedish pound goggles or $20 goggle that is uncomfortable and that leaks, right? Um, and that was really the call. We saw that as the biggest issue with swimming goggles was that the the purpose, the reason of having goggles on is to make sure that you don't get water in your eyes. 
but what good does it if you get headache if you get like scratches on top of your nose or like if, if it's just that uncomfortable sweating goggles and that's uh, that's really what we want to fix yeah i've always uh, my problem had always been that i could never like if you're a triathlete and you and you try to you, know, you try to have a fast start mm-hmm. either a diving start or something like that there was not a goggle pair of goggles in the world that was going to stay on my face in a diving start until I used magic five goggles. Um, that, and eventually like the, the peripheral vision was terrible. Like you couldn't see people to the left or the right of you, you know, you know, so it just made sighting harder. Um, you know, that's, it's kind of my two favorite things about magic five goggles is they actually stay on when you yeah. dive in and the peripheral vision is awesome. Yeah. I think that that really comes and I'm, I'm really happy to hear that, that, um, because it was, it's intentional. That's intention behind the design. And that's really Nicholas that came into to play as a competitive swimmer, right? Where the fit and how it's custom is kind of the foundation of the goggle. That's that's a key thing that we that we want to fix and the, the most important thing, right? But then when we were about to design the goggle, Nicholas was like, the thing that he really liked about goggles and that was differentiated for him before the product that we made was the peripheral view, because when he did competitions, it's super important that you can keep, especially for someone like him, 200 meters uh, IM or presto, that you yeah. can keep the right position in the water and don't have to twist too much to look at your competitors. Right. Mm-hmm. And that that's why I was like, okay, let's try to widen the peripheral view out as much as possible and still keep that race profile of the goggles. And that's really, that's why we came up with the angles of the goggles because that that's how we are able to take the, the, the glass all the way up to the side uh, and give you that peripheral view. Uh, so that that's actually the purpose of that. Gotcha. So fast forwarding a little bit, yeah. um, you mentioned uh, real quickly that you guys just decided to move to the U S so like, <laughs> how did that, uh, how did that all come about and how much, um, how much wheeling and dealing did you have to do with your spouses to get them to move to the U S so first step was uh, my wife's favorite white wine is Chablis, so I had to buy a good bottle. Uh, there you go. So, um, uh, no, I think jokes aside, Bo and I have been super lucky that our wives uh, really believed in this project from the get-go and that they had the same perspective as us. That was one. If we're going to do this, we're going we're gonna to do it right. And we're not going to do it to sell a, a, a hundred goggles a day. That's not, that's not why we're doing this, right? We had some pretty good jobs and things were aligning up well. So we, it's because we had some, some bigger perspectives on it. And doing it right is uh, starting it up in the biggest market, being closest to the biggest group of customers. And that is quite frankly the US, right? Uh, that's the biggest, most homogeneous market for swimmers and triathletes and Recreation swimmers. Secondly, uh, we're very fortunate to come from Denmark, which is uh, uh, very, it's a very, very great place. We love it there. And it is, um, 
we saw this as a life experience to move to the US and try that, quite frankly, for our, uh, for our families and get that experience, right? Uh, Denmark is a flight ticket away. Mm -hmm. We just go back, right? I know it's a little bit more complicated than that with kids and, and everything, but but that's really how we saw it. Like you only have one life, why don't get that experience if the opportunity is there, right? And now we had a good reason to do it. We wanted to build the business here and our wives were working for American companies so we could get a business management, which is the very, very big asterisk to that equation. That's how things were enabled, right? So gotcha. this wouldn't have happened without them, without their support. We couldn't have moved to the U.S. the way we did. Um, so, so that's that's part of that story. That's how this one is. So, you, when you when you guys first moved to the U.S., were yeah. you did you did you immediately go to New York? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've been in the city for five years. Okay. My wife. Now we have two kids. Uh, born yeah, you here. have a newborn, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Two weeks, so uh, Ooh, no, rats. we are plenty busy, but no, it's good. Everything is good. Um, uh, so we have we have two kids now. When Bo moved, he uh, uh, and uh, his wife uh, they moved with two kids too. So it was um, it was a bigger move for them with kids going to schools, and it's not like me and my wife, just like the two of us. So that was that was relatively easy. Um, and my wife, she happened to get a job in. Uh, in New York, so that's why we ended up here. And Bo's wife uh, got a job in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, so that's why we have our operations and production in Charlotte, North Carolina. So the goggles okay. are in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina. Gotcha. Um, Do you love Charlotte? Mm. It's a good city. It is. It's a really nice city. Yeah. So you guys, so you guys got a Kickstarter funding. I think you put out about what two thousand pairs of goggles or so from Kickstarter. Um, I think shortly thereafter is when your catchy marketing got me um, the the Instagram marketing. Uh, I saw the whole thing, the the scanning of the face. I was like, no way, that's not a that's not a thing. <laughs> so I did it, and I, I gave you my money, and um, yeah, I immediately noticed a difference in the goggles. Um, and then shortly thereafter, I'm a, I'm a Shark Tank fan. Uh, who's not? So I, I was watching Shark Tank one time and then saw you guys popped up. So I guess we get, we got to go into it. So tell us a little bit about that experience and being on Shark Tank and how you got on and how it ended up. Um, first off, it was, it was a pretty damn crazy experience. Did you <laughs> wet yourself? <laughs> But I will admit, on like it's almost like you're standing on the aisle when you walk up to the sharks, and we're now we're fast forwarding a little bit, and I'll, I'll go back in time and uh, to to give the perspective. But it's like you're standing there. There's a huge like horn. Like okay, now it's my turn, and then uh, our turn, and then you have to walk up this aisle. They blow and a it, horn at you. <laughs> and the worst thing about it is, you know, it's a reality show, right? So you have to walk up and you can see the five sharks for the first time and our stage and everything. What does it look like? And then you have to stand in front of them for 60 seconds and just stare at them. And the only reason is that the producers need to get content. 
And it's just, it's the longest second, 60 seconds. <laughs> so is there like you, a, is there like a clock counting down? Or are you like just trying to pace out yeah, 60 seconds yeah. in your head? And you can just see how my Cuban, Robert, the other sharks, it's just like one long elevator, like, look, okay, they're really weighing you out and you have to put on your biggest, like most fake smile and <laughs> I'm so ready for this. That, that was like, that was really, it's a rough start, but um, yeah, but Back in time, they um, uh, it was actually one of the producers of the show who uh, who had the goggles, and he uh, he loves them. And then he reached out to us and was like, "Hey, um, think you should consider this." And then we applied uh, and was lucky to get through the uh, the the application process. Um, and um, there's a lot of there's a lot of work going into it. Uh, first off, the production team, they have to assure that the, te- the companies that's being presented, that it's legit what they're doing. Sure. That, well, that they are not, we're not claiming that we're doing a face scan. We actually do a face scan, right? Mm-hmm. We are not claiming that the goggles are custom. They are actually custom. You know, all those, like, they, they really go through our business uh, very meticulously to make sure that, that we're legit, right? Um, so, once that was over and everything was uh, was uh, was good, um, we got the shooting date. We went to LA three days. Shark Tank controlled our itinerary for those three days. And to put things in perspective, coming from Denmark, where there's five million people in like the entire country, <laughs> the whole, yeah. that's like that's roughly the viewership per episode on Shark Tank. So it's like, okay, we're gonna go in. Be on camera, second language, pitch our business. <laughs> Five like super uh, famous, uh, you know, startup uh, entrepreneurs, investors, uh, and we're just gonna do it in front of the entire Denmark. Like, <laughs> Is that why you it, asked us at the beginning if it was live? Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I was like, I the, so the good thing about being on Shark Tank is. It's probably the most nerve-wracking thing I'll do in my entire life. Right? Oh, for sure. So I'll always be able to look back at that and say, it's not as bad as acting. Well, it's not as not bad, but not as nerve-wracking as, uh, as acting. And it's and it's kind of like that that first bike ride you did, right? Like you can yeah. draw upon that nine-hour hard, excruciating. Yeah. I want to quit. You don't quit. Like you can pull from that now when you're going through hard stuff. Similar thing with this. Yeah, I tell people all the time that. Anytime you do something epic or really scary or whatever, puts everything else under it into perspective. Anything that's lesser gets mm-hmm. really put into perspective and just seems almost easy peasy. I'm I'm just disappointed we didn't start this with a 60 second pause. We kind of we kind of did. We kind of did before we started recording. We just stared at each other. Yeah, I read. Yeah. Uh, Robert's uh, book and he talks about just how intense those days are, how they're doing like 12 hour filmings three days in a row and how each, how, how long were you on there for? They, you know, it's ends up being a 10 minute five or 10 minute thing once it goes to TV, but I've heard it's 60 minutes to two hours and sometimes more. Yeah. It's uh it's definitely a marathon for the Shanks as well. Uh, we were number two company that picks that day, but okay. it is true. Like it was eight companies or something that pitched that one day, right? And it's just like boom, 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 right? And it was, um, it was, it felt like a 
convey about not like don't not too negatively but it was very much like okay now you go through makeup one makeup two prep this makeup three and final dress like it was just very very planned and structured super super professional and then coming into like a big hanger in the sony production village with 100 people on set like people hanging down from the uh from the ceiling with lamps and like it was oh, wow. it really being a in a movie set uh it was pretty crazy um but we were so how long time you're on you have 90 seconds the first no you have 60 seconds that was like those awkward ones that you don't mm-hmm. see then you have 90 seconds where you do your pitch right that is what you heard me and bro or if you've seen it um that's what where we control everything right they can't they won't intervene after that, it's just an open battlefield, right? So you might be there for three minutes or an hour, hour and a half. We ended up being on the stage for like 55 minutes. Uh, so after that 90 seconds, it's just 50 some minutes, discussions with the shark, they challenge our numbers, they challenge everything, they figure out who we are, they discuss between themselves. My Cuban yells at, uh, Mr. Wonderful, that he was the investor for the Magic Five and, you know, what type of reality stuff, right? Oh, yeah. It was very strange to be on that, like, be there in the middle of it when they started to attack each other, right? It's Why like they... being in a place with your friend's parents fighting. <laughs> like, it was super, super awkward. It was really awkward. Um, but, uh, yeah, but we were on there for, like, 55 minutes. Uh, yeah. Do you remember your 90 second pitch? You can just give your 90 second pitch to all the, uh, all the people listening right now. No, I can't remember. I think it's, I think it's probably changed by now. I know. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously it went, it went well. If anybody has watched Shark Tank, it went well. And you guys ended up getting a deal, uh, with both Mark Cuban and Robert Hirschbeck, um, million bucks. I mean, so from that point did like, are those, are those guys hands-on or did they just be like, here's the money, do what you want. I'm assuming they want to make sure that their investment is, is, uh, you know, uh, going to return something. So, um, how, how did things go post shark tank? So, um, particularly Mark Cuban is extremely involved, uh, in a positive way. Um, we like very low practical. We send out bi-weekly updates to uh, uh, to those guys, giving them the highlights of how things are going. Um, and it's not every update, but I would say every second update, he responds within thirty minutes with a qualitative remark, right? Like asking follow-up questions, uh, "Good job, guys," or something, right? Um, and like, he's just, he's just on with last call we had with him was being scheduled for 45 minutes to discuss more strategic initiatives. And we ended up sitting with him for two hours uh-huh. and you can just feel how he is. It's just, he's like, and it's almost like he can't control it. Like his excitement about talking about growing the business and where we're going to be in that five, 10 years from now, we have to think long-term. We like think about the product, like all those type of things. It's, it's not the, uh, it's not something he puts on. It's like, 
it really feels like it something inside of him that like is and then on top of that he has a he has a whole team around him of experts in all different types of areas uh marketing business development and they are basically just on-call experts that we can reach out to uh, so i i talk to them frequently uh, like on a weekly basis about different projects different things we're working on and they are so it's like free consultants in in their respective fields which is very 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 valuable for, for a company like ours uh, oh, for sure yeah absolutely so what is sort of the five-year plan for y'all so the, uh, there's basically two things that's important one is uh sell a lot of swimming products right uh they are in uh, our core markets are europe and the us us being our biggest market and um the 70 million people who swim seven zero fitness and is that globally or in in those two markets in those two markets europe and the us they swim for fitness purpose so it's not people going to the beach like stuff like that it's people who swim in the wild or in your recreational pools it's triathletes it's competitive swimmers right um so it's for us the getting out sell a lot of goggles uh, and and really get the product out there um the second thing is to our underlying technology is like how you scan your face and how we fit the goggles against your face. That fitting technology that I mentioned in the beginning, that's really our core. That is the technology of every pair of goggles we fit to a face. It's learning. It's getting smarter and smarter and smarter. Right? Every time we get feedback from a customer, it's a closed feedback loop, meaning we go in, tell our technology, hey, how you did it for uh, Jan Frodeno. He really liked them. Amplify that learning. Right? And so that gets better and better and better. But the whole concept can, the fitting technology basically doesn't care whether it's fitting a pair of swimming goggles to your face or a virtual reality headset to your face, right? So we just, we actually just launched a, a another product on Kickstarter, uh, which is for uh, virtual reality headsets, where you can get a custom a uh, piece to your virtual reality so it fits better and it's more comfortable. Um, and and we have we have announced a technology partnership with Canyon Bikes. So we're working with them on applying our approach to some of their products. So and this encapsulates really the second thing that's important for us, and that is to make other products better. Other products where the products differentiate on fit and comfort. We use our technology to uh, to achieve that. So almost going more from like what what products out there are more of a one size fits all, and you guys are are now able to and looking for areas where you can use that technology to to turn a one size fits all into more of a custom. You're going to get more joy out of it. It's going to fit you a lot better. Exactly. Right. So and keep going. No, no, no. You you go. Uh, I was just going to ask. You know. I was gonna I was gonna pry you a little bit on the the canyon yeah. stuff anyways, but are are you telling me you guys are gonna be like scanning butts or like <laughs> forearms? It's like, it's what like are we sitting s- on the photocopier what are we back scanning? in the day? <laughs> we uh, uh we we're not at the stage where we can where we'll kind of Oh it's un- it's aero bars. I know it's aero bars. I'm feeling it. 
but um, uh, it is. Um, I think it's a super cool product. It's gonna it's be arrow. It's the arrow bars. It's those arrow cups. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. He's I a lockbox. He's a lockbox. I, I said probably. Uh, I know it's got to be on one of the podcasts, but I said probably. Maybe it was longer, five years ago or so, that that arrow bar and pad technology was going to be like the next big thing in in tri bikes, and mm-hmm. it has just blown sky high in the last couple of years. And now there's companies popping up left and right that are just mm-hmm. making custom arrow bar extensions and and pads and all that stuff. So you yeah. don't have to say it out loud, but <laughs> we're making our predictions over here. <laughs> Anything, but uh, but it is it is um, we're excited. That's and awesome. It's for a company like ours to get approached by Canyon and work with them. It's massive. It's a it's a hero brand in our industry. It's um, they make really cool products. Um, so it's uh, it's great. It's really great. Yeah, that's I mean it's super super cool to be to be in just get invited and be involved in other large brands in mm-hmm. the industry. Um. So I know this whole, I mean, we've gone through this really quickly and I know this whole journey is, wasn't as easy as it sounds like in this last like 40 minutes, but, um, what, like, what were some of like the big obstacles that like really threw you guys for a loop? Cause I know, mm-hmm. like I said, I know there's not, it's not just been smooth sailing. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it goes up and down in, the in, the in, the in business and it goes up and down in everything you do, right? It's not uh, like training, uh, you can make a plan until you make a new one. Like things can come in from the right, you can get a curveball, you know. Um, COVID was a massive thing for the swim market. Uh, sure. In the bike industry. Seemed, yeah, for bikes too. Just exploded, right? Mm-hmm. It was basically what you could do during COVID. Everything that happens inside an enclosed facility was just shut down right so it was overnight that traffic to our side sales back then in 2020 it's like uh overnight you just like see the grass and then boom just that was mind, huh? yeah that was pretty that was pretty intense i think the, the good thing for us is that we we were a small small team. That lean and mean production machines, of course, it required a lot of uh, adjustments on our side. But it's not like we have this like uh, massive corporate setup with tons mm-hmm. of people. Uh, so we were able to to adjust very 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 quickly. Um, and then we quite frankly looked at each other and was like, okay, what are we going to do until COVID settles? Um, and these were like the very very early days of COVID, and then it ended up. Some ended up being okay and stuff like that, but we uh, we actually we we took the time and said, what can we do during this period that is meaningful to us and makes sense for those around us? So we we did two things. We actually made a prototype where we used our technology to make a custom uh, face mask. So instead of you know, and that was just to play around, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a one size fits all face mask where you like push that metal thing against your nose, the N95. Then we made a pretty cool concept where you, based on the scan, would make a, a custom nose bridge basically that was reflecting and uh, running across your your cheek and your your nose. 
so the so the, the face mask would rest normally on your face. So that was like from an R and D perspective a, a fun project that we made. Um, then the second thing we did was that we reached out to EMT workers in New York City. Being in New York myself during COVID uh, was really intense. I lived on 37th Street and 10th Avenue, which is like was was the epicenter of COVID, basically. Yeah. Uh, we could look down on the Javits Center. It was just like this uh, pop-up hospital with all the COVID patients. Oh wow! All the, it, all the dead ones were over there, and over here, all the ambulances came came driving in. So we we kind of looked at that. PPE was in shortage, so we ended up uh, uh, donating six or eight hundred goggles to EMT workers. So. EMT workers driving around in ambulances in New York City couldn't get eye protection. So we uh, we gave goggles and we actually used, we reached out to our existing customer base in Kickstarter community and they helped us uh, fund the initiative. There's a lot of, there's cost in producing the goggles and everything. So we pitched in with the majority of it, but then we, we raised money to be able to to give out as many goggles as possible for EMT workers. Oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah, very cool. I think was it just it was a meaningful thing to spend your time on. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. I you know, we've we've done we've been in the custom market before. We won't go into it. But uh I know custom anything is a freaking nightmare. Can be a freaking nightmare. Uh especially on the manufacturing side. So were there any, like, I have to imagine early on, like trying to figure out, especially how to do a custom something, like you said, at an affordable price. Yeah. Like, how did you work out the manufacturing side of that? So we, um, uh, one of the first meetings me and Nicholas had was, okay, we kind of drew up what is the cornerstone for this product, right? Okay, it should be a better fitting, more comfortable, non-leaking product. The price range should be low. We have to be able to produce a shit ton of goggles in no time. How do we do that? Those are things that don't normally align, as you said. Yeah. Yeah. And so we we once we had the first prototypes, we started experimenting with how should we actually produce the product. What we ended up with was, um, uh, and we've actually just started to unwheel how we how we produce the product. We haven't shown that in the past, but we just started to show that. Um, so it's basically a robot that custom that cut the gasket of the goggle, right? If I can show the the goggle, this is my goggle. You can see there's a, a pretty deep eye socket, so my this part goes in really deep on my eye. When we produce a product, it happens in two steps. One is we produce the entire thing. Then the gasket is over extruded, so it's like a few inches tall. And then we have a robot that gets the data for your goggles or for my goggles, goes in, and then it cut the gasket to reflect the curvature hmm. of my of my eyes. That means that we can produce, we can customize the product in a few minutes, and then you get the customer. Gotcha. And that allows us to retail the product at sixty dollars. Right? If we had to make a fully custom product. Way more. Oh yeah. Take a ton of time to make, right? Um, and it's really where it's honestly where the magic five and name comes from. We're not 
trying to re reinvent the entire wheel. We are like using the same glass technology, anti-fog coating, you know, strap, the rest of the materials are pretty much the same as other cargoes. But it's the last 5% it's a gasket where the fit really is determined. That's why the magic happens, and that's how. But that's what we want. So, that's what is what is current production numbers at for you guys? So, on right a daily, we can uh, we can make uh, around two thousand goggles a day. We don't sell two thousand goggles a day. I will disclose that we'd love to, and we also like to sell uh, a good bunch more than than two thousand goggles a day. Um, it depends a little bit on seasonality. Now we are in low season, so mm -hmm. we sell a couple of hundred goggles a day. Uh, but uh, so it, it goes goes up and down. Uh, so um, I know you have, uh, well, you have Jan Ferdino and Matt Grievers as they, they are, they also investors in the business? Yeah. So did they just, did they just use the goggles on their own and then just decide they loved it and said, Hey, we want in. We, uh, we reached out to both of them uh, okay. and said, Hey, we think you should try this product. And if you like them, let's discuss. Right. But we also upfront with both of them and say, Hey, we're not, uh, we're not Speedo or Tia or any other big brands yet. So, um, we have to do it in a different way, and we also think it makes sense if you guys have skin in the game, if you actually believe in the product. If you believe in the product and the vision, and it's a it's a very differentiated product that, that caters to the mass market, then um, the equity approach is, um, we believe, was the right approach, and they also believe that that was the right approach. So they were both, uh, both in on that, which has been amazing. Uh, Say Matt is kind of the gentle giant of swimming in the U.S. Uh, and has really helped us on uh, how to understand the college, the high school market much better, um, and and help us work with that part of the market in the U.S., um, which is which is super super important for us. Uh, and then he's just generally a really nice person to work with. And there's one thing you learn is that it's uh, and I guess it's the same for you guys. It has to be fun what you're doing. You have to work with people that you like to work with and hang Absolutely. around. Right? And that is, it's such an important thing about anything you do that it, it has to be fun. It has to be a great journey. Um, and that was, it was frankly the same with, uh, with Jan. Um, very underrated part of Jan Frodeno is his, uh, is his uh, business partner, Felix, right? Who is uh, his uh, right hand man. Um, and um, uh, and Felix and Yen, they are. It's an amazing team to work with, um, both on the product and activation and everything for for the brand. Yeah. I assume that you've probably gotten uh, a decent amount of feedback from from Jan and and on the on the product. And has there has yeah. there been anything? Has there been anything that he's brought about, or Matt, or somebody like? That has that you've just immediately put those changes into place. Yeah. So one thing with Matt, for instance, Matt Grievous, he's a uh, backstroke, right? That yeah. that's his. Stroke. And if he is, um, uh, he was very particular on 
how the goggles, uh, the angle of the goggles, when you do backstroke, it's for his navigation, right? Was very important that we could work with the fit in a very particular way. Uh, so we we worked a lot with Matt on adjusting our algorithm on how it should fit the goggles so that it also works for backstroke folks, basically. Gotcha. Uh, and that actually took quite a few months with him getting his like the level of feedback you can get from Matt Rivas is different than what uh, an normal pro goer would be able to, sure. to give. Him. Um, and it was first when all of that was in place that that we actually started up working with him in a in a structured way, and um, I think it was kind of the, the the validation period for him as well. Um, and and almost the same happened for for Yen. He um, he came in really early in the in the business, right? Um, and he had some feedback with the first goggle that he got where. He felt that the, after 30 minutes, 20 minutes of swimming, he started to get leaking in one of his uh, one of the eyes. So he gave us that feedback, and that is it happens for around five percent of our customers that it, the fit is not what they expect it to be, right? So and it wasn't for Yen with his first car, so he gave us feedback. Then we went in, looked at the data from his scan, looked at how the fitting technology fit the goggles against his face and identified the issue, sent him a new pair, and then he was like, this makes sense, right? So that is, that's part of our process. It's part of our fit guarantee that if there's anything wrong with the product, if it doesn't live up to expectation, let us know because we can work with it. It's not a one-size-fits-all product that gets fit out of a mold and what you see is what you get. We can, we can work with the product. And working with the product helps us make a better product very more nice. For sure. I, we have had, well, between our training group athletes and the swim group, uh, we've had a lot of people and end up, uh, trying out magic five goggles. And I maybe heard a couple of reports of people who, uh, it wasn't perfect. And then, but everyone has said customer service was great. Um, got, you know, got a whole nother pair, uh, in a short amount of time and, everything's good to go now. Um, that is one thing I, I think I actually had a early pair that, um, this was maybe the first pair I ordered. I ordered a couple and one of them, like the, the coating was like smudged a little bit in it and within a couple of days had another pair. So, um, as far as, as far as, uh, companies go, I know Brian and I both, way heavily on customer service so oh when we're recommending stuff it's do do we like the quality of it does it work well but ultimately stuff is going to happen you know it, it tends to happen and if, if you have a company that stands behind their product and has almost this not only do they want to improve it but they have a no questions asked sort of you know we're, we're going to make it right those are the companies that we recommend all the time for sure. And well, I guess that's a good time to say full disclosure. We do have a partnership with you guys, um, uh, for discounts for our, um, our training squad and our athletes and all that stuff. Um, yeah, this is something we are not making money off of. So it's no, no. The, the magic five is nice enough to give a discount. We're not, uh, we're not making money off, off any of this. Yeah. This is just fact, value for you all. Uh, feeling a little generous here. We're going to, we're going to extend, uh, a discount code to all the listeners. Uh, I'll throw it up on the screen. 
Um, so discount code is COC20 for 20% off Magic 5 goggles. So thank you, yep. guys. Thank you for uh, for offering that to to the listeners. That's awesome. Thank you for having me on the show. I think that's a little way of paying back. Uh, <laughs> people want to check you out. Obviously, they can just search on Google for Magic 5. What's your what's your website for those that want to go take a look at everything y'all are doing? TheMagic5.com. TheMagic5.com? Yes. It, it's pretty easy. Um, yeah. Just jump awesome. in. You can... Uh, yeah. And what's, what's turnaround time? If someone goes and orders... Uh, a, online what's what's that turnaround time for them so um again it's a custom product so we we have to produce it right once you place the order on the website and submit it your the scan of your face through our app it takes us a few days to produce the goggles um, we say it takes up to five days typically it takes around three days for us to produce it it um it's based on our background how many goggles do we have in background and then in the U.S., shipment time should be no more than five days. Disclaimer, we all know what can happen with the uh, with, uh, transportation and shipment oh, time. Yeah. Using but USPS I, or using... <laughs> Is that FedEx? Is that USPS? It, uh, UPS? Exactly. But, but it's around five days. You can, if you're in a hurry, you can uh, get an expedited for three days. But I would say like a, uh, a good week, then you should have your goggles from okay. purchase and then a week and then you have them. And that's a that's pretty impressive for a, a customized product. Yeah, I would. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Man, we appreciate you. Um, you know, sitting down with us, giving your time. Um, yeah, we appreciate everyone else hanging out, listening, watching. We'll catch you guys next time. Adios. Peace.